Section 11 of Days on the Road, Crossing the Plains in 1865 by Sarah Raymond Herndon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Delayed Another Day, Wednesday, August 2nd. We had a very cold night. There was ice quarter of an inch thick this morning. Several head of Hardenbrook's and Walker's cattle were missing this morning. The men have been hunting them all day. They were found this evening in a canyon four miles from camp. There were tracks of two horses with shoes that had driven them there. The Indians do not shoe their horses, so there must be thieves besides Indians in this country. And here we are another whole day's drive behind the other half of our train. Oh, I wonder if it will be possible to overtake them now, before our roads separate entirely. They must be at least two days ahead of us, if they have not been delayed. Thursday, August 3rd. The mountains in this region are very barren, composed of sand and rock principally. It comes nearer being desert than anywhere on the road. We have traveled all day and have come only thirteen miles. The road has been very rough indeed. I rode in the wagon the greater part of the day so I could take care of little Annie Hardenbrook. Her mother is very sick. I have thought so much about Neely. Whenever the wheels would strike a rock or jolt down into a rut, how she must have suffered if in pain or fever. How hard it must have been for her lydie says dr fletcher is very impatient and cross because of the delay he threatened to take a horse and go horseback yesterday when he found the train would not move she thinks he is very anxious about neelie and very much in love friday august fourth the wolves howled around our camp all last night and kept caesar our watchdog barking so we could not sleep have made only a short drive and are camping at rock springs where the road forks the men are not agreed as to which road to take the upper or right-hand road is the shortest but the lower is best supplied with pasture and water if we take the upper road we cannot hope to see our friends again so dr fletcher and i want to take the lower road for we still hope that we may overtake them. Mrs. Hardenbrook is very sick. I fear we are going to have another case of serious sickness in our camp. I have taken care of Annie again today, which seems to be the most efficient service I can render, as Lighty and Mrs. Joe Walker take care of Mrs. Hardenbrook when her husband cannot be with her. He takes all the care of her at night, and a most excellent nurse he seems to be. Sim is quite well, only pale and weak. Saturday, August 5th. The decision was made in favor of the lower road. As the train was rolling out, I had just mounted my pony, when Dr. Fletcher came and asked me to ride with him. He has never seemed to care for my company, nor I for his, until since we have been so anxious about Neely. Our anxiety has been a bond of sympathy, 
and we have rather enjoyed each other's society we had gone a short distance ahead of the train when we saw someone coming on horseback i soon saw that it was frank we hurried to meet him he shook hands without speaking i asked how is neelie she is very low i came after you doctor our camp is about four miles from here we have waited two days for you and thought you would certainly come yesterday when you did not come we thought you must have gone the upper road and i was going back as far as the first station to inquire if you had passed i am glad indeed to meet you but greatly fear you will not be in time to save neelie the doctor asked two or three questions excused himself and rode away at a gallop leaving frank and i to follow while i plied him with questions which he answered patiently he then said neelie was much better for a day or two after we left you we all thought she was getting well she spoke of you every time i saw her and wondered why you did not come since the fever came back i have not talked to her at all part of the time she has been delirious and when conscious she was too weak to talk oh dear i do so want to see her and help take care of her a fatal shooting we rode a while in silence then frank said that is not all the bad news i have to tell miss sally i looked up quickly and asked what else happened frank fraser was shot and killed day before yesterday evening oh frank how did it happen hostetter did it but i think he was not much to blame Frazier is the man who spoke to Cash, Neely, and I, as we were watching the wagons ferried across the Missouri River, whose son ran away from his mother and home to come to his father and go with him to Montana. Frazier had teams and wagons for freighting, and Hostetter some capital to invest in freight to take to Montana. Frazier advised the purchase of flour and he would freight it to virginia city for fifteen dollars per hundredweight he said flour was worth fifty and sixty dollars per hundred in virginia city so it was in the spring of eighteen sixty four and as high as seventy-five and one hundred dollars per hundred which was the cause of a bread riot in virginia city no doubt fraser was honest in his advice and would have invested in flour for himself he charged more freight than was right, for ten and twelve cents is the prevailing price. But then, Hostetter should have found that out for himself. When he found he had been imposed upon, and learned that flour is retailing at Virginia City for fifteen dollars per hundred, he was angry, dissatisfied, and perhaps quarrelsome. Fraser was no doubt very aggravating. They had quarreled several times, and on the evening of the third, Fraser was heard to say to Hostetter in a threatening tone, You may consider yourself lucky if you ever see Montana. You need not expect to get any of this flour. It will take it all to pay the freight. It was getting dark, and Fraser stood with one hand on a wheel as he talked. He then got into the wagon and out again with something in his hand 
which Hostetter thought was a revolver in the gathering darkness. He came back to the wheel where he had been standing when he made the threat, and Hostetter thought he had come to shoot him, and fired twice, as he thought, to save his own life. Fraser fell, shot through the brain, and died instantly. Then it was found he had a hatchet in his hand, and had come to tighten a tire on the wheel, which he had found loose when he laid his hand on it. Fraser's eldest son of fourteen years is here. There are five children and their mother at home. Hostetter has three children and a wife. Eleven innocent persons to suffer, no one knows how intensely, for that rash act. Fraser's son knelt beside his father's dead body, and, placing his hand on his breast, he swore a fearful oath that he would have but one purpose in life until his father's death is avenged. Oh, what a shocking ambition for so young a boy! Fraser and Hostetter have traveled and camped near us all the way from Plattsmouth. When the train was organized, they came into it, when it was divided, they went with the others, as there were not so many of them, and the herd was smaller. By the time Frank and I had discussed the direful circumstances connected with Fraser's death, in the presence of this greater calamity, Neely's sickness did not seem so sad an affliction as it had before, for she is not dead, and while there is life, there is hope. We came in sight of three corrals about eight o'clock, camping near together. Tried for murder. Everything had a funereal appearance. Men stood around in small groups, talking earnestly in a low voice, whittling sticks, the incessant occupation of most men when trying to think. Those with whom we were acquainted bowed as we passed them without speaking. I was soon off my horse and ready to see Neely, while Frank took Dick to hitch him for me. As I approached the tent where Neely is, Mrs. Kerfoot came to meet me. How is she, Aunt Mildred? I asked anxiously. We think perhaps she is better now. She is quiet and resting easy, but she has had a very restless night and the doctor says she must be kept perfectly quiet, not the least excitement. She had led me away from the tent while talking. I saw in a flash what she meant. I was not to see Neely. After we left you, she kept asking about you, and when you did not come, we thought perhaps you had gone the shortcut and so we told her you had gone the shortcut to Montana, and we would not see you any more. She seemed grieved at first, but became reconciled to what could not be helped, and now, if she should see you, of course it would excite her, and I know you would not do anything that might harm her or make her worse. Oh, no, of course not. Emma, Delia, and Judy had come to where we were talking. I kissed them all, said good-bye, and came away with a heavy heart. I unhitched Dick, and leading him by the bridle, 
went on in advance of the trains selected a place for the corral unsaddled dick and waited for the wagons i did not have long to wait and the captain was so good as to corral on the place i had selected i had a motive in being in advance of the other trains i hoped to get hill house and mother to consent to pull out of corral and go on if the train did not move we are not in any danger from indians now and we can go on alone if no others choose to go with us i cannot bear to stay here and not see neely we could not move to-day but hillhouse says we will to-morrow morning the men from these four trains selected judge jury prosecuting attorney and lawyer for the defense and have tried hostetter for murder the jury brought in a verdict of not guilty he shot in self-defense as fraser had threatened to kill him hillhouse served on a jury the first time in his life he is only twenty they buried fraser yesterday lyde and i visited his grave this afternoon hostetter seems very remorseful blames himself for being so hasty sunday august sixth we were up bright and early this morning by the time other camps were at breakfast we were ready to start one other family with us mr curry his wife and four boys when hillhouse spoke to the captain about our going on he said he thought it advisable as our teams are in good condition the cattle not at all lame we can make much better time than the train can as so many of the cattle are lame they will be obliged to travel slowly there is no danger from indians and after we reach green river pasture will be plentiful without going away from camp to find it i climbed into mrs hardenbrook's wagon to tell her good-bye kissed little annie as she was sweetly sleeping mrs h seemed sorry to have us go i met dr fletcher as i was leaving mrs hardenbrook and asked about neely she is very low indeed of course while there is life we may hope but if she lives they will have to stay here a week or ten days i did not tell him we were leaving but said good morning and went to find lyde she was worried and anxious about milt he has been staying behind the train to drive lame oxen almost every day since he has been well enough he is usually in camp by ten p m last night he did not come she said brother joe is quite sick too i wonder what will happen next oh lyde no very serious calamity has happened to you or yours nor me or mine let us not borrow trouble but hope for the best milt will be here in a little while i know he is able to take care of himself and he is going to do it we leave the train the wagons had started so i mounted dick and was off as i came into the road i looked back and saw milt coming in sight driving his lame oxen i left the road once more and went to fraser's grave his son has set it with prickly pears so closely that it will make a pretty mound if it grows 
and will be a protection from wolves unless their hides are thick and tough poor boy he must have been seriously scratched while transplanting the prickly things but perhaps it was a relief to his mental suffering to bear physical pain while trying to do a last something for his poor father i spent a dreary morning i feel the parting with our friends so distressingly it is not likely we will meet again in this life i think sim is feeling blue over it too we met a squad of soldiers from green river going to arrest hostetter and take him to fort bridger for trial they say his trial was not legal he and all the witnesses will have to go by the way of fort bridger and will perhaps be detained for some time i do hope for his own and his family's sake he will be cleared the upper road from rock springs goes by the way of fort bridger i think for the soldiers spoke as if it was not on this road we arrived at green river about three o'clock the river is about as wide deep and swift as the north platte yet i have not dreaded any of the rivers we have crossed as i did dread to ford this one perhaps it was because there are so few of us for in numbers there is a feeling of security even in crossing deep and dangerous streams we crossed without accident or loss and are camping on the west bank of green river when we first came to the river one of mr curry's boys exclaimed well this river is named right if i had been going to name it i believe i would have named it green river too for it is green the water is very clear yet the river has a bluish green appearance i do not understand why there are several corrals along the river but the people are strangers so we feel very much alone there is a station here and soldiers tents within sight we are camping on bluegrass with the mountains very close they are the highest i have seen i would like to climb to the top but mother says there are too many soldiers and strangers around at the foot of the mountain a little way from our camp there is a graveyard with about a dozen graves it is a beautiful spot with the mountain for an enduring monument several of the graves have been made this year with names and dates quite distinct on the plain pine headboards others are entirely worn or washed off by the relentless hand of time and storm it seems that bitter creek was too much for the weak or frail constitutions like moses they were permitted to look upon the better land before they died monday august seventh the soldiers brought hostetter here in the night and i suppose the witnesses came too i wanted to go to the station to see if i could hear anything from neely and the rest of the sick folks but mother did not want me to go where there are so many soldiers so i did not go we started very early this morning and have driven about twenty miles we are camping on black fork where the horses and cattle are just wading in fine pasture right around camp 
we ascended a mountain this morning that was seven miles from base to summit the way the road is we had toilsome climbing and i guess the teams found it a hard road to travel before we reached the top i came on in advance of the wagons sometimes riding and sometimes leading dick where it was very steep and had time to enjoy the magnificent scenery that lay spread out on all sides the snowy range could be seen in the distance glittering in the morning sunshine the wild currents are here in abundance i am going fishing with the boys so i must be off wild currents galore tuesday august eighth we caught fish enough for breakfast last evening and gathered currants enough for sauce but i spoilt the sauce by putting the sugar in when i put them on to cook they hardened and were not fit to eat i have been experimenting today and have succeeded in making a nice cobbler i did not sweeten at all before baking but made the sauce sweet enough to sweeten all i also made a fine sauce by cooking the currants only a very few minutes and putting in the sugar after they were cooked we will have currant dumplings for dinner tomorrow i have picked a lot enough to make sauce and pies and other good things for a week the currants are a beautiful fruit and some are as large as small cherries we are waiting at camp plentiful in the hope that some of the wagons from the train will drive in before night there are three wigwams within sight of our camp sim and hillhouse went hunting today on their way back they stopped at the wigwams and found them occupied by white men with squaws for wives ugh end of section eleven